Hey, edited for content fans. This episode is going to sound a little different than normal. Uh, my Google meeting just wasn't working for me. So this episode was recorded via Snapchat. They're not a sponsor of the show in any way, but I think it worked out pretty good. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friend. You're listening to the Edited for Content Show, a place where we try to understand a topic by extracting truth from theater. If you like this podcast, let me know, share it, and come back again. Some say leaders are made. In the case of my guest, he was born to lead. An elite state-recognized cross-country runner He used whatever means he had at his disposal to train just so that he could compete at the weekend meets. This internal drive for success made application to the United States Navy an obvious choice. A division leader in boot camp, my guest graduated at the top of his class and was later assigned to operation support aboard the USS Stump. After proudly serving our country, He discharged from the Navy in 2004, where he earned a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and criminology, later and with a later an emphasis on interviewing and interrogation techniques. After a 15-year career in loss prevention in some of the world's largest retail markets, he started to fill the much-needed role of substitute teacher. In that position, it did not take administrators long to identify his leadership, dedication, and desire to help students learn and become successful members of society. Please welcome my guest, husband, father, naval veteran, and teacher, Joe Tyrell. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Um, how long have you been teaching? Uh, four years now. And when did you first feel the impact of covid on teaching in the classrooms in arizona uh it was probably probably the day uh, that we all went on spring break and then we never came back um i was teaching eighth grade at the time and the covid situation was rapidly progressing and our our group of kids were going on spring break and we were actually, uh, at the time, we were joking that we were taking bets on how, what are the odds that we weren't going to return after spring break. And we weren't serious at the time, but then it became a reality that we couldn't return to the classroom and everything was going to be done um, through uh, a computer screen, basically. Mm-hmm. So um, I knew the kids were... Uh, going to be in need of a leader like right away they're going to need and the parents as well the parents were going to need the teachers to lead and guide the kids through all this because no one no one had ever done this before and you know the teachers had never done this before and you know we just i started out with um <clears throat> having a, a virtual meeting with with every parent with every eighth grade parent and showing them what the plan was and and uh, trying to give them that warm, fuzzy feeling that a, a plan was in place, and um, we were gonna we were gonna see it through one way or another. What courses were you teaching virtually? Uh, just uh, English language arts. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And how long were you doing virtual education before returning to the classroom? Have you guys returned uh, to the classroom yet? Let me ask that. Yes, we have. Okay. So how long were you doing yeah. virtual before you got back to the classroom? We were doing, we went on virtual the, the week that we came back from spring break. So it was just after, just after um, St. Patrick's Day in March. And we were virtual for the rest of the school year, all the way till May. And uh, we returned to school uh, that following August, but the kids had the opportunity to, well, actually it was the parents. The parents had the opportunity to decide whether or not to send their kids back to the classroom. So um, we actually started out completely virtual. Um, some of the kids that had parents that were working parents and the kids were young and didn't have any supervision at home to make sure that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they were allowed to um, come to the school and be either in the school library on their computers, doing virtual learning that way, or in the cafeteria. We used both, uh, both locations to do virtual learning. But we didn't actually return to the classroom uh, fully. Uh, that option wasn't available until September. And even then, there were kids that were still staying home uh, wanting to do online learning and, um, yeah, it was, a uh, it was, it's kind of scary seeing the look on the kids' faces. I mean, they were, they were freaked out. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know, you know, they needed to be guided through everything. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And that was, so you talk about, it was the spring break of 2020 and That's then right. it was August of 2020 when you guys came back with the kind of a mixed bag, depending on what the parents were feeling then. Correct. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, it was, it was more along the line. The August was the, was the time when if, if kids were at home and, and, uh, parents were working parents, they had the option to drop their kids off at school mm -hmm. and we could teach them virtually in the cafeteria or in, or in the library. But the actual option for, to be, do direct instruction right from the classroom didn't come about until September. Wow. So Arizona being the 49th in education, what challenges did you face with this virtual learning? I mean, you talked a little bit about like making sure that they were actually doing it, but I mean, what real challenges were there for, for this whole virtual learning process? I think, well, for one thing, I had a lot of when I was doing the eighth graders at the end of the 2020 school year, a lot of them just up and disappeared. Um, and that was hard trying to uh, communicate with the parents and also basically being hosted by the parents as well. Just the some of those eighth grade kids just fell off the map completely. Um, I think the other. The other challenge was. Uh, when some of them did return to the cafeteria or to the library was supervising all of them and making sure they were in the right class at the right time. And were they on task? Were they paying attention to the teacher that was virtual or were they playing video games on their computer? That was really hard. And, mm. um, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of decent, a good, decent instruction was, was missed because of this restriction. So what resources did you guys have for the virtual learning or any, or, I mean, like, did you do it from home? Did you do it somewhere on campus? Um, you know, did they, 
have enough monitoring for the students? I mean, what kind of were some of the resources that were available or were insufficient during that time? Well, the students were given, were issued a school Chromebook. Mm. Uh, they could use, they could use a school Chromebook, but if they had computers at home, they could use computers at home. Um, in, in my house, we had um, my, my laptop, my wife's laptop, my daughter had her own Chromebook, and then we needed a school-issued Chromebook for my son. So there was four computers going on in the house at once. Oh, wow. But um, the, school, the schools issued Chromebooks if they needed them, and then we would use uh, Zoom as the platform for uh, virtual instruction. Yeah. Wow. You know, Zoom, I'm telling you what, if I had any foresight, I mean, I'd invested in Zoom that everybody used Zoom. I mean, that was the platform. I mean, you know, and from what I understand it, it does have a lot of nice features, you know, for presenting and things of that nature. Um, Did you ever have the challenge of trying to provide in-person education and virtual education simultaneously? I didn't have to do it simultaneously, but I did have, I was um, responsible for the kids who decided to stay home and, and learn online. So I would have to teach class as I would regularly do, but then I would have to check in with my online students nearly every day, making sure that the, the right assignments were uploaded um, to the school uh, learning platform that we were using, um, grading following up with students who were who were not doing any work at all um doing virtuals on you know on wednesday to to at least uh, be somewhat face-to-face with the students and the parents mm-hmm. um yeah it was it was very hard to to do to do both but I, I never had to do them both at the same time um i actually considered doing that but uh it was just it was just too much. And I thought what we had in place was going to be sufficient enough for what we had. So are you back to in-person learning now, or is it still kind of a mix? This is the first year that we have everybody back. Um, per the governor's request. Okay. Um, the, the only time that virtual learning is allowed at this point now is if, if they, if a student tastes, tests positive for COVID or um, the students uh, have to quarantine because of contact tracing. So if one student gets, uh, gets diagnosed with COVID, we have to quarantine everyone that was near them in the classroom within a six foot radius. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so what we do to try to limit that is um, we have seating charts in the classroom, so they have to sit in the same spot in every single classroom. Okay. To try to yeah, to try to prevent, um, or you know, just try to restrict the number of students that have to quarantine in the event that a student tests positive. Yeah, and it makes it a lot easier for contact tracing if you know specifically where everybody was at, as opposed to, you know, trying to guess who sat next to Martha on Saturday or whatever the case may be. I mean, I I get it. That makes total sense. Um, so now that you've seen them back, have you seen any differences in the students that, you know, chose the virtual learning versus the in-person learning? 
Well, I think they they missed out on uh, they missed out on a good um, level of of, edu- of instruction. Basically, learning on a computer is is so much different than learning. You know, having having access to your teacher firsthand, being able to raise your hand in class and ask a question and not have to wait 24 hours for the for the teacher to check their email to see that you know you have a question that needs to be answered. So um, a lot of students that came back were kind of stuck in this rut where um, they weren't used to having to really work that hard as you do in a classroom. They weren't as, as they, they basically being at home in their own room, they had, a, they had a way out of doing work and now that now they don't. So one of the struggles being um, kids putting in good quality work, being on task, and uh, behavior, behavior as well. So, you know, students who are, who are at home all day and the parents aren't around and can basically pick and choose when they jump on the computer and, and, and join a class, there's really not a whole lot we can do about it. But now everything, there's rules again. There's discipline now. And it, it takes a little bit for them to adjust. Um, and it's, it's definitely obvious because the kids who are there uh, daily, it becomes a daily routine to them. So it's, it's no big deal to them. Um, the expectations in the classroom are clear from day one, and um, the more routine, it, the more we repetitious we get with it, the more routine it just becomes for them. It just becomes second nature for them to do what they're supposed to do. But now these kids that are coming from um, virtual learning, they're not used to that, and it, it takes a little bit for them to to come around. The students entering your class, do they have? what you're accustomed to as far as fundamentals to be prepared for your level? Or are you seeing where there is that decrease in kind of the jumping off point of where they should be starting the school year? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure I understand your question. So like, so I don't know. You know what? And I didn't even ask. So what grade, like what level are you at for English? (laughs) I should have asked that. I'm at, uh, I'm teaching sixth graders right oh, now. Okay. So yeah. no, normal fifth graders, you know, pre-pandemic, normal fifth graders coming into your class had a certain basis of knowledge when it came to English. Right. So are you seeing these students coming in now, do they still have that same baseline or is there definitely um, – a decrease of where they should be. And it's kind of, you're having to take a little extra time to get them where the normal starting point would be for them. Yeah, they're definitely, uh, there's quite a few of them who are below where they below grade level, I guess you could say is where, where they should be at this point. And, um, their standardized testing scores definitely show it mm-hmm. that, that, that this whole COVID situation definitely took an impact on, on the kids learning. Yeah, they are definitely uh, a little bit behind, and what we're having to do is just really take baby steps with them and bring them back to a, to a certain level. So our goals, the goals that we have in place for the kids, are definitely um, are they're definitely you know impacted by um, <clears throat> by COVID and where where they are. Where they where they currently are because of COVID and, and where the, where we want them to be by a certain time of year. So, 
we've taken that into consideration this whole this whole COVID situation and said okay yes these kids were were impacted by the pandemic um the scores definitely show it because they were they they're just they were just very low and this is where we want to be by midpoint of the year and this is where we want them to be by the end of the year and we're having to to take it a little slow um However, one of my school is actually one of the few schools in Arizona that will uh, retain kids if they're not showing uh, mastery of certain subjects. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it's um, the whole uh, no child left behind thing. Um, we we definitely give it the, the opportunity to the parents to to make that decision for their kid, but um, it's it's definitely an option with with all grades K through K through eight. So, um, but you know, in public school systems, they don't really have that option. They just push them through no matter what. And I think a lot of the times when I was with public schools and I was teaching the eighth graders, that's why they all disappeared was because they knew they were going to get pushed through anyway to high school. So, um, yeah. So my school is a little bit different, and they will retain you they will recommend retention and, and give lots of feedback as to why that your kids should be retained. So, um, yeah. And so to answer your question, yeah, they are lower for sure because of this entire situation. They, they received a different level of education for, you know, I don't know what, six months and they were, they were used to a certain lifestyle and that lifestyle of uh, being instructed for, they got, they got used to it really quick. I mean, how, how nice does it sound to sit on your couch and, and learn? I mean, we've done it when we went to college. Oh yeah. Uh, but these are, these are kids. These are 11 and 12 year old kids. So um, definitely the work ethic and the responsibility for their education is not where it, not where it, where it is of a, um, a college student. So, well, and yeah. And you know, when you and I were, <laughs> you and I were in grade school, we didn't have the distraction I mean, I think we had two television channels if the weather was good. I mean, it wasn't like we had Netflix and gaming systems and, um, you know, all these social media outlets and different things and um, electronics everywhere. There's so many distractors at home on a normal day, but you throw in trying to do learning on top of it. I just can't even imagine. I just, it boggles my mind. Yeah, we had video game console, consoles, you know, Atari and and things like that, and the and the television. But we didn't have phones and no the things that the kids have these days to to cause a, a major distraction. Social media. I mean, if we spoke of someone spoke of social media when we were kids, we wouldn't have a clue what they were talking about. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, and you have children of your your own. Yes. Um, how? had COVID affected your children's education? Well, with, with being with my son, my son and my daughter are just two completely different people altogether. My son, um, he enjoyed the, the, the virtual learning and, you know, mom and dad were home. So we were able to, you know, stay on top of him and make sure that he was where he needed to be every single day. Um, the return to school was no problem for him. It was just, hey, let's go back to school. But my daughter was a different story because she was um, going into high school. She was starting high school. Oh. So 
um, for her and just judging by her, her personality on top of that, she's very quiet. She's very shy. I wouldn't necessarily call her an introvert, but she's pretty close. Um, so for her to, to nudge her back into school, she didn't want to go. And it was because she found her comfort zone with, with virtual learning. But the thing was, it was that she was falling behind um, because of the options to take too many breaks or, you know, I'll do it later. And, um, you know, there was, there was, she knew that there, now there was going to be rules. There was going to be timelines and um, due dates and, and, you know, the, these were things that she was going to have to follow now. On top of that, she was going to meet all new people, which, you know, she, she likes people for the most part, but mm -hmm. meeting them for the first time and trying new things for the first time is, is difficult for her. So, um, but she needed to go. She needed the classroom very badly. There was too, just way too many opportunities for her to slack off and take breaks. So, uh, yeah, it was, it's kind of affected them, both of them in, in different ways. Yeah, it sounds like kind of, in a way, almost oppo opposite ends of the of the spectrum. But, you know, I I can't even imagine. Well, first of all, I can't imagine going to high school now versus years ago. Anyways, but to go in, in during this time would be definitely a challenge, and especially if you're not, you know, looking forward to it necessarily to the begin with. Um, I just can't even imagine. Um, are they back now? in person both of them or are they still doing virtual uh, they're they're both back okay yep so how did you choose which method for your children that you were going to use for education kind of in the beginning um you said that they were home right was that just purely because of the uncertainty of what covid was doing initially or was it just a, a better choice for you guys i think it I, my wife and I basically decided that first of all, it was, we thought it was too early to return to the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought we were jumping the gun a bit and, um, yeah, I mean, we just, we just figured that, that, you know, my, my wife is in the medical field. So, um, I got a lot of, you know, firsthand information from her and, and her judgment, uh, is pretty much a hundred percent on point. So I trust her oh, yeah. quite a bit when she says, you know what, I, I think it's a bad idea. I think we need to keep the kids home for a little bit and, and then, and then see what happens. Well, um, and, and how lucky for you to have that resource right there. Yes. Cause a lot of families didn't have that. Right. And you know, we wanted them to go back. We wanted them to rejoin society and have that social interaction, that social development that all kids need. Um, but we just thought safety wise, it just wasn't the right time. So we, we kept them home and, um, you know, my, my son was, my son was starting a new school. We had just transferred him to a new elementary school and, um, I, he needs the, so he needed the social interaction more so than, than, uh, my daughter does, um, because he's still, he's still developing, but. So that, that caused a lot of anxiety where you wake up in the middle of the night and you're just worried that they're not getting what they need. Mm. And yeah, so that was, that was very hard that I, I would say that that was also played a role in, in returning them to school. Um, 
you know, I, I once once I was back in school and I saw some of the um, procedures that were in place, the mitigation, uh, COVID mitigation, the rules that the schools were were going by. I actually felt a little bit better once I saw it firsthand for myself. And I think that was really the ultimate deciding factor to return them to school. Oh, for sure. And you bring up the kind of my, where I was going next, which was, you know, do you feel that the school boards are putting measures in place to protect the students and the staff? Uh, yeah, I think, I think they did a great job with all things considered. Um, we, there's a lot that we didn't know about COVID and, and the spread of it and, um, I think they did the best that they could. And I mean, I, I felt safe, honestly. Um, you know, I, I think uh, really the only thing that concerned me was uh, either people or, or I'm sorry, the teachers or the students that came to school anyway, if they had a cold. And granted, we were still wearing masks, but, you know, the transmission mostly comes from not washing your hands. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a concern. So are you? we can't monitor them in the bathroom and make sure they're washing their hands. But we took a, a lot of precautions with hand washing in the classroom. Uh, the school that I'm at now actually has portable hand washing stations outside of the school when the kids arrive. So, um, and they're, they're out there before lunch. So the kids will wash their hands before coming on the campus and before they eat. Um, I saw a lot of uh, hand sanitizing and, temperature taking some of the schools did temperature take temperature checks some of them didn't uh my school did and i felt i felt pretty safe with what was going on so um i was i was pretty comfortable once i saw it for myself that they were going to be okay and so you've been in the business for a while and you've gone through flu seasons in the past right and kids are germ carriers let's be honest they're they're little germ factories And so in a way, I think it's interesting because flu season and cold season with kids has always been a thing since day one. And it seems now it's more, more like you're taking more precautions, but the reality is that it's still kind of that same spreading process that's kind of always been there. Exactly. You're exactly right. It's just, it's the same spread. It's just. It just seems like that COVID is just a little bit uh, more highly contagious than the flu, but it spreads the same way. Mm-hmm. So um, I think uh, once we kind of get that under control and that understanding, especially in, in schools, I think uh, we'll be doing okay. But I mean, and I also feel that it's always going to be there. COVID is always going to be there. We're just going, you know, just think about back when in the day when we first discovered what the flu was, what, and how we can track it and how we can prevent it. And all of a sudden we've got vaccines for the flu. It's the same thing with, with COVID, except it's just a little bit more highly contagious and um, potentially deadly, but the flu is also potentially deadly. Right. So, so, and I don't want you to disclose your status at all. I mean, I'm not asking that, but what, kind of what were the vaccination requirements for your school in terms of staff and, um, you know, students, I mean, cause and the reason I bring it up and the reason I ask is because, so I think about, <laughs> I think about the days when I was getting ready to start kindergarten 
and the trauma that I had from the gun. There was a shotgun. We like, and I'm not shotgun as in the sense of a shotgun, but it was a gun that administered vaccinations. And I remember we had to have the MMR and mm-hmm. God, I don't even remember all of them, but I just remember being in line with all these students, all my friends and getting these shots Right, And it was a requirement. I mean, you had to have a certain level of vaccines to go to school. That was from day one. So while this is, I understand, you know, there's a lot of concern about the vaccines in our society right now. What was the stance of your school for the requirements for the students to attend? Um, There wasn't any real requirement to get a a COVID vaccine Um, because, well, at the time we didn't have a vaccine for kids that young. And, uh, and also the requirement for the teachers, I don't require, I don't, I don't recall anyone telling me that you need to get vaccinated in order to return to work. Um, But, you know, a lot of us saw it as these are the steps to get back and in, back into the schools we need to get back into the schools we need to be with these kids firsthand so if getting a shot is what it takes then we're going to get it so i mean it, as soon as it came out the pfizer and, and, and we first started doing phases with um, people who could get the vaccine well teachers are right up there at the top mm-hmm. so um i was i was one of the first i think i got my first vaccine in in january and then three weeks later i had my second dose and i don't think at the time, anything was out except Pfizer. There was a, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a second one that was being tested for approval. But at that point, only the Pfizer vaccine was available, and that wasn't available for, for children. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't recall ever being told, you need to get this in order to return to work. But it, um, and we, it's not something that we necessarily talk about, Right. As teachers, like, hey, are you are you vaccinated? Mm-mm. We never we never really ask. We never really talk about it. But um, it, we might mention it in passing. But no one really asks if you're if you're vaccinated. I think we all just kind of assume that since we were, we were teachers and we were top one of the tops in, on the list, that a lot of us just jumped at that opportunity to, to get it done. And kudos to you for knowing. You know, to me, it says a lot about your character. It says a lot about who you are, where you were more worried about being able to get back in that classroom and provide that education to those kids um, more than anything. And and that just speaks volumes. Earlier, you discussed about a little bit about kind of seeing the the emotional difference or a little bit of difference in your kids. Mm -hmm. In what ways has the pandemic impacted the kids you teach? not from necessarily education standpoint, but more of even the emotional or even social interactions. Like how is it really, cause you're, you're on the ground floor, you see them. How has it really impacted these kids during this COVID? Um, I, you know, kids are very resilient and, um, I, I think it's, it's affected them. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's affected everybody. So I think, I, I think kids included, on some level have, have been affected by, you know, uh, having to wear masks, which they don't necessarily have to anymore. But at the time it was absolutely required. Um, I think that, um, kind of, uh, hurt their, their social interaction with each other, knowing that they had to stay six feet away. Although a lot of them didn't, 
Um, but you know, people were people were scared of this of this this pandemic. You know, adults included. But kids were. Well, I remember the first day that they arrived back on campus. They everybody was deer in the headlights. They didn't have a clue what was going on, where to walk. I mean, there was directions around the school that you know certain grade levels enter through this door other uh, grade levels enter through that door and before all this it was just everybody just goes through the main gate and we give each other hugs and we handshake slap hands and, and do all that all that other stuff and now that was you know we couldn't do that anymore nobody the kids couldn't do that and they didn't really understand you know why why can't i drink from a why can't i drink from a water fountain um, why do I have to wash my hands every couple of hours? Why do I have, why can't I sit with my friends in the cafeteria? So, um, that, that definitely affected them. But I think once they got used to it, they, it, it didn't really bother them anymore. Um, the, the toughest part was keeping their masks on, you know, and it was usually the same kids that you'd have to tell a thousand times a day to keep their masks on. Um, that was that was a big struggle. They didn't want to wear masks. We didn't want to wear them either, but we have to. So, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, adults are, um, you know, the teachers are just like this is these are the rules and we're going to follow them. But you know, kids are always want to know why. They, and and that's that's important to kids is to understand the why with anything really. Why are we doing this? Why are we learning this? Why do I have to do this or that at school? Why can't we do it this way? Everything is a question. Um, but yeah, once they once they got used to the procedures with everything, how the school went, it was just like anything else. You know, even before the pandemic, rules were rules, procedures were procedures, and once they got into the routine, they were fine. And it was the same thing with um, all the precautions that we took with with COVID. No, absolutely, and I think that you know, you having of course a military background and more than familiar with. Well, now in your military background, but also your um, time in loss prevention, you know, you're very meticulous in rules and you're also very meticulous in your process for dealing with situations. And I think that that served you well, but it also gives you that opportunity to be able to help these children stay on that on point with that. But at the same time, with your spirit that you have and you're, you're wanting to care for these kids you know, they're able to have that solid base for somebody who's going to give them guidance through this, be a resource for them, but also not so, you know, <laughs> not so hardcore that, you know, they can't still be a kid, but at the same time help teach in those processes and those procedures and things, um, which is, which is amazing. You know, yeah. you brought up something which completely blew my mind because it took me back a long time ago, I completely forgot about water fountains. Uh, I haven't yeah. thought of a water fountain in forever. Yeah. There, it's still, it's still a rule. They can't, they cannot use the, they cannot put their mouth near the, the water fountain and use the water fountain. They've installed um, automatic dispensers for your, for your water bottle. So you can, you can bring a water bottle to school and refill it as much as you want throughout the day, but you absolutely cannot use you know, push, push the button and put your mouth down by the, by the water fountain. Wow. And yeah. then, do they still now, oh boy, I'm dating myself and my audience is going to be like, God, how old are you? Do they still have metal trays for lunch? Yeah, they're, there's uh, like a, they're a styrofoam. Okay. Yeah. 
man, I'm dating yeah. myself. And I know there's going to be people out there going, dude, when's the last time you were in a school? Um, <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about school or are you talking about the uh, correctional facilities? Well, it could go either way, right? Yeah. Well, when I was in high school, that was, or grade school, even, I just, I remember those huge metal trays and the compartments and just, and then, you know, but that's what I was sitting here thinking. I'm like, do they still even use those? I mean, you know, it's been a day or two ago, let's be honest. So, wow. So yeah, there was, you know, and that's logistically for schools, there are a a lot more contact points to deal with than somebody would think. Um, So like in between your classes, or let me ask you this. Do they stay in one room as a homeroom and the educators move or do the students move? The students move. And um, actually, you brought up, I thought, I think that's a terrific idea so that, the, that the teachers move. That would make, if they really want to put a restriction on how close these kids are together, the touching, um, you know, uh, touching doorknobs and, and not washing your hands and those types of things. I think that would be, that would be, uh, up for discussion, but yeah, the, my kids, uh, uh, transition from class to class as a group. And, you know, you've got, uh, you know, maybe close to 90 kids out there in the hallway at once. And, you know, they're not six feet apart. Oh yeah. No, those hallways aren't big enough. Yeah, you know, they're, they're still smacking hands and pushing each other and picking at each other because they're kids, but um, there's only so much there's only so much that we can do. There's there's things that are in place, and we do our best to, to implement them, And but we, we cannot get to everybody. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, and I mean, and like you said, kids will be kids. Um, I know they're a little, your kids are a little older, but during this, one of the things I thought about was smaller kids because there's a developmental phase as you well know where children learn they have to learn social interaction and part of that is sharing yes and with covid that completely annihilated that whole concept yes so i will be curious throughout your career to see as you get you know essentially three to five years from now when you get these children into your class kind of where they're at in terms of their interaction developmentally with other students missing that component for that long of time right and yeah the kids not being able to share um i can't i can't say for sure if it was a struggle is uh, I teach the older kids, but I'm, I'm sure they didn't really understand why we can't, why they can't share. It's just, it's what they're taught. And all of a sudden now kids are, are, are being asked to bring their own materials to class. Don't share anything. Mm-hmm. Use your own, use your own pencil when you sign up to go to the bathroom. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it was a big transition for these, these kids. And, you know, I would say probably the younger they were, the harder it was. Absolutely. And I think in it'll be years before the studies will be released that'll show the true impact over time. I think that, you know, but you you will probably see it long before we'll ever see a study. Um, Joe Tyrell, educator extraordinaire. <laughs> I cannot thank you enough. Um, is it true they call you Mr. T? 
Yes, they do. In fact, my license plate says Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, uh, my, one of my masks that I used to wear has the image of Mr. The real Mr. T, the Mr. T's head on it. And I kind of aged myself there with, with the kids because they were like, who is, who's that? They didn't understand. <laughs> I'm like, are you, I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? You real, don't know who the real Mr. T is? Who doesn't know who the real Mr. T is? And I was just going to ask you if anybody actually knew in your class who the original Mr. T was. Yeah, they, they don't know. Um, I actually had to Google it and show them a picture. And of course, they got a kick out of that. They wanted to sh- they wanted to shave my head just so it looks like his. And oh, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Mohawk, big chains around your neck. Absolutely. If you're gonna go, go big. Absolutely. That's right. That's well, right. But- it has been an honor to have Joe Tyrell, Mister T, to his students on my show, and I really, you know, your wife being a, a medical professional, you being out there with the students in the school system. Um, I I can't say enough about you putting yourself out there and the reasons for which you put yourself out there, which is it's understated on a good day, but during COVID it's truly an understatement of how important your role is in society. And I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking a minute out of your day to come on here and speak with me. And I just can't thank you enough. Oh, it was my pleasure. Anytime. You've been listening to the edited for content podcast. Again, if you enjoyed it, let me know, share it and come back again. Thanks for listening. My friend, have a great day.